0: so good to be together god's good yeah. life is hard but god's good it's amazing how we parallel how life goes with what god's character is eh that's not the message today but uh, interesting heard that there was some uh, fun activity at the women's event on Friday night and uh, um, just uh, that's awesome that's awesome and uh, the ladies that coordinated that God bless you for providing that opportunity very cool I've entitled this Palm Sunday message taking a break today and next week from our Galatians series and we'll finish that up after That will take us through to the last Sunday of May. Um, But I've entitled this Palm Sunday message, Follow Through. Now, that that phrase, those words will bring uh, different things to different people's minds. I I remember as a young adult many years ago, my memory's not so good, but I, I do remember certain things from way back then. And I remember hovering over our old rotary phone in 1982, or whatever it was. And I had her phone number on a piece of paper in my hand. Wasn't Miriam at that time. I mean, she was in line, but... (laughs) Did that? I didn't mean for that to slip out (laughs) like that. I'm so sorry. I'm in so much trouble. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, at this time... I had not even met her yet, let's just be clear. Otherwise I wouldn't have made the call, right? But follow through, I, I, I got the courage, I, I had gotten that number, rather skillfully at church camp a few weeks earlier, and away I dialed. I had some follow through, because I had two tickets to the Michael W. Smith concert. Oh, man. So, my follow-through resulted in a yes, but I'm still not sure. Was it me or was it Michael W. Smith? The First definition of follow-through from Webster's online dictionary is the part of the stroke following the striking of the ball. Now, some years ago, I was preaching on living in your sweet spot, and I had a golf club up here and a ball, and I hit it into the crowd. I'm not that... In case there's kids in the room, S-T-U-P-I-D, because my daughter says I can't say that with my grandkids and them living with us right now. Uh, I, I'm not that, so it was a plastic ball, but anyway. So now, follow through. I, I enjoy playing tennis, and Greg Jervis, who is a part of our church family, has helped me, and he coordinates a men's doubles thing in the, in the summer that I... That I go to, not as much as I'd like with the busy schedule, but just last summer, he was, he was helping me specifically with this follow-through thing. And you gotta, I don't know if he's here, he's a, hi Greg, if you're engaging online, cr- critique my, my, my follow-through high. I mean, if, if you know tennis, Rafa Nadal does this better than anybody and re- results in the, 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 the top spin being incredible revolutions per minute, actually. So, Greg, a couple more sessions? I might be on my way to a Rafa topspin. Probably not. And it's not Greg's fault. It's just my ability level, of course. But uh, I'm not going to try it, but... Oh! Romano! I I probably shouldn't have done that. That just was kind of spontaneous. It rolled all the way back to the front. I guess that's where it's supposed to be. We should actually... Do you want to get that for me? Just because... We're going to have prayer time at the end, and I don't want anybody rolling an ankle on a ball. Thank you so much, Jonas. <laughs> OK, follow-through. Follow-through displays itself in much more significant ways, like commitments we make, M- maybe even big commitments we make, like marriage, follow through, being a person of integrity that, that we follow through huh, on, on commitments we make. That's a lot more important than my golf swing or my tennis stroke. Well, Jesus actually had the greatest follow through of anyone ever. And you know where this is going. Palm Sunday reminds us of Jesus' follow through on his mission of going to the cross to make eternal salvation possible for anyone who would then receive that gift that that he offered through his life and death. Palm Sunday, what's it all about? Well, we, we, those who are familiar with the Christi- Christian message and the uh, Christian history and so forth, we, we know it's the beginning of the, the week where we focus and we remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we remember, we focus on His uh, passion or, or suffering culminating again with His death and resurrection. Anyone who knows the history of Jesus' earthly life knows that Jesus was committed from the very moment he miraculously entered this world as God with us, as Matthew, disciple and eyewitness of Jesus' life, wrote in his historical account of the life of Christ, where he referred to the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So from the very moment Jesus came into this world, he was on track to follow through and of course actually Jesus being God from eternity past mind-boggling I know but biblically true he knew from eternity past that he would follow through on this mission And then we get to this time in the historical gospel narrative. And we see Jesus' obvious, obvious, His obvious commitment. And as I've mentioned, we see His His follow-through to the cross. We we see His intentional journey in the gospels. We see it. His intentional, deliberate journey to the city of Jerusalem after His three years or so of, of, of public ministry. And he, he, he still went, he, even, even knowing what was awaiting him. He displayed follow through. He did not run from it like I probably would have done. He, he knew he'd face torture. He knew he'd face a brutal death, being, being crucified in a God-ordained clash of my sin and his wrath about sin, over sin, judgment on sin the cross, and he knew it would be tormentful physically, yes, but even more so in a, in a spiritual way. And We see evidence of that in the historical narrative of those moments when Jesus was dying on the cross, the darkness that came over the earth at midday, things like that. Jesus didn't walk away because he knew what his death on the cross would accomplish for us. Eternity with him. That's what he wanted. But you see, way back with our first human parents, sin entered the world. And so that interrupted that relationship that was intended by God, the creator, to be eternal. Because God is holy, sin cannot be in his presence. Sin is so bad, it requires the payment of a penalty that is so significant, and that is, the, that is death. Death is the result of sin. Jesus stepped in to die for me. We were, I was reading a moment ago, I referred to uh, our, our kids and, and three grandkids in house transition being with us for a couple of months, and uh, the privilege of being able to read the Bible story that my grandson received when he recently prayed to receive Jesus. <laughs> With his mom and dad, and and now he's they were given this special Bible, and and uh, we were reading about uh, Cain and Abel, and and, and I said, well, they were the they were the first kids born, yeah, because back here, and he was paging back, because Adam and Eve were the first parents, and yeah, and and uh, why am I talking about that? Anytime as a grandparent is appropriate. Talk about your grandkids, okay? And I know, some of you are sitting there going, Marlon, the you know. I, I was there once until I joined the club, okay? So anyway, I won't ask for forgiveness. But, but that's what we're, we're talking about. It's the, 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 our original human parents chose to turn their back on God's direction, which is sin, and the relationship that God intended to be unbroken, it was broken. And now we all enter the world that way with this disconnect, relationally, from our creator. Jesus stepped in, and, and I, know what I, I know what I was saying. It takes a while, but I come back to it. Uh, Cruz, my grandson, had a little bookmark that he had made. And I forget what was at the top, but then there was a cross. And so I used it as an offer, just a teaching moment, you know, because Grandpa never misses those teaching moments. And my kids joke with me about that to this day. But um, from when they were young, but, it, it, yeah, cruise and journey was there. It's, it's the cross that corrects the brokenness, the relational disconnect. And I, I used other words, but, but that's, that's the truth. Jesus didn't walk away from what he knew would be painful because he knew the outcome for you and I. That's why we call Good Friday, Good and then comes Easter Sunday when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, which, which proves his power to be able to deliver this eternal gift of, of, of salvation. And I, I hope you'll join us next Sunday. Uh, Pastor Brennan will be preaching the Easter message, and, and invite, your, invite your friends and family members to, to, to be with you, those, especially those who, who may not yet know Christ. Uh, or maybe you, you want to send them, maybe, maybe, they, maybe they wouldn't walk in a church, but, but they might Check it out online, and so you can message them the, the link uh, to, uh, to, to the church website and invite them to engage that way. Mark's gospel records that Jesus was, his, uh, was with his disciples on this journey into, intentional journey into Jerusalem, and they, they got to a town on the outskirts where Jesus instructed his disciples to go to a certain property, kind of interesting here, uh, go to a certain property, he pointed out, and, and retrieve a donkey colt for him to ride into Jerusalem. No, his disciples didn't know. Did 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 Jesus text the owner and make sure that was okay? Doesn't seem like it. It's not mentioned anyway. And so okay, but in obedience they went and you 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 untie the donkey. Oh, you! I don't know what went on, but some of that maybe. But but they but they they got the, the donkey cold. Now and Jesus did mention that they would return it. To the owner, in, in case you're wondering. Uh, but he rides into Jerusalem on this donkey colt. Not an impressive way to come into town for for a king. Kinda got me thinking, you know, ways of coming into coming into town. It's kinda like our very old late model minivan we had years ago that that Brennan, Pastor Brennan, drove when he first got his license. We, we called it the loser cruiser, literally. No reflection on Brennan. When the vehicle finally died, we left it on the street, called the charity, I forget who it was, you know, take it away for what scrap metal you can, and that's what they did. But for at least a year, I think more, before that thing died, we Maybe you shouldn't joke about this kind of stuff. We thought that thing was demon-possessed. But it was just the electrical system that was wonky. And it wasn't worth bugging Rolando about, you know, to try to fix that. You'd be driving along, and all of a sudden, the locks. I'm not not touching anything. It's weird. Driving along, doing the speed limit, I'm sure. the odometer, the needle, the speedometer, 160 or whatever it was, it was weird, it was weird. At night, dark, pull up to the stoplight, the whole lighting system in the van, on, off, on, off. You could not do anything about it, you'd look over, at the guy beside you's going, Weirdo. <laughs> Disco light, strobe light situation going on there. I don't know. Anyway, it was, it was a fun van. Why were we talking about that again? <laughs> oh, yeah, coming into town. Ways to come into town. Ta- I don't know. Maybe the donkey colt is a better idea uh, coming into town. Un- unexpected, though, I think, For certainly, I, th- I think, for his disciples. But let's pick up Mark's eyewitness account in Mark 11, 7 to 10. And it's on the screen in case you don't have a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, I would love to give you one. So let me know. If you're engaging online and you you don't have a Bible, uh, contact the church. Uh, Email me, Marlow at eaglemontchurch.ca. We'd love to get a Bible into your hands, free of charge, of course. Mark 11. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road and other cut down leafy branches from the trees and they spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So why was the coming of Jesus into Jerusalem marked with such fanfare and celebration? Probably a number of reasons, but, but one reason is because it was the first time that Jesus had visited Jerusalem since he began his public ministry. And even those who weren't sure about this Jesus that they had heard about doing all these wild miracles, or at least they heard that that was the case, I mean, even, I, I think that it's fair to say that even their curiosity was, was piqued. And it seems like some of them were excited You see, at the time, some people wanted Jesus to lead a movement of independence from Roman occupation and dominance, but but Jesus knew that wasn't His calling from His Father. Instead, He was coming into the the spiritual capital, Jerusalem, to, to lay down His life for an eternal cause. Another reason this was a big event that day was because the city was already in activity overdrive because it was Passover, a very important Jewish festival and celebration. Thousands of people filling, coming to the city, streets filling with with people and with religious energy as they came together to celebrate God's deliverance of their nation Israel from Egypt. So many years ago. And a key word associated with Passover is deliverance. And it's, it's God's amazing timing. I love it. Uh, uh, this, this central event of Christianity, the death and resurrection of Jesus, happening that, that brings del- true deliverance, eternal deliverance, happening at the same time as Passover. God coordinated that, for sure. And that was taking place precisely at that time. And Jesus had been telling his disciples all along that everything that he was doing and teaching was was moving toward uh, what would take place when he actually got to Jerusalem. And so there was this, likely likely this mixture of uh, excitement and anticipation, and we'll read later, and there's uh, other comments in Scripture about, you know, the disciples thinking, what is this all about? What's going on? You know, some... Some questioning, maybe, maybe even some confusion about what Jesus is saying he's going to face. Well, here are some things that the disciples and, or sorry, the, the disciple and eyewitness Luke wrote about Jesus going to Jerusalem. Last week in our Bible reading plan, and there's some on the table if you don't have one, it's not too late to start. Uh, pick one up there. But uh, we, I, we, we read in that plan from Luke 9 and verse 51 jumped out at me, knowing I was going to preach this message today, Luke 9.51. As the time drew near for him, Jesus, to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. That inner commitment of being resolute, commitment is a choice. Jesus had to make that choice. Am I going to go? He, he had already made that choice in obedience to his father, uh, but, but again, he probably revisits it. Or maybe I'm just superimposing how I do things on him. I, I, I don't know for sure. But this, this word resolute is key. Commitment to follow through with what, if there is, and, and we see it in his prayer in the garden, don't we? Father, if there's any other way, I would take it. But there wasn't. And then a few chapters later, Luke 13, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on, always pressing on toward where? Jerusalem. And then Luke 18, 31 to 34, Jesus made it clear exactly what would happen when he got there. Verse verse 31, taking the 12 disciples aside, Jesus said, listen. We're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets uh, from the Old Testament, hundreds of years before, and it's amazing study, folks. If you're seeking and trying to put the pieces together of what it means to be a Christ follower, is Jesus really God? Is he who he said he was? Because he said he was. Hmm. One of, the, one of the fascinating and incredible studies is the Old Testament prof- prophecies about Jesus coming to earth, about the details of how it would unfold, about where he would be born, uh, just amazing. Dozens and dozens of prophecy that, prophecies from the Old Testament that were fulfilled in the life of Jesus. It's amazing. Jesus is referring to that here. Where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. Verse 32, he will be handed over to the Romans. He will be mocked, treated shamefully, spit upon. They will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. Speaking of himself, he, speaking of himself, he will rise again. But they didn't understand any of this. The significance of his words was hidden from them, and they failed to grasp what he was talking about. And so now they're all here in Jerusalem, and God's plan is starting to roll out. So, that's Palm Sunday. Let's look now at how the people responded that first Palm Sunday when Jesus entered Jerusalem. And as we read earlier, they were shouting, Hosanna. Well, that's kind of an interesting word. It just actually means uh, save or deliver. Deliver us. Hosanna. It's It's actually a plea for salvation. And different people had different things probably in their mind as they thought of what the salvation they wanted looked like, but that's the essence of the word. And used in that setting, it was an expression that in Jesus, through Jesus, they could see their life saved and changed, even though they may not have understood all that that meant. But I think that there was this sense in in many of the people, at least, that that they needed Him. Welcoming Jesus with, with, with such expression as He approached Jerusalem was was their version of, of rolling out the red carpet. City celebration. Here's a, here's a parallel, and maybe that's too strong a word. Maybe this is a stretch. But I remember in my lifetime, on five occasions... Four of them through the 80s, and one in 1990, and now some of you know exactly where I'm going with this. Thousands of people filling the streets in celebration in downtown Edmonton for a very big celebration. A celebration that not every Canadian city gets to experience or has experienced. Vancouver. (laughs) Excuse me. or or at least not as often, I mean, five times. Granted, a few years ago, but but, but five times. Five celebrations in the streets. I was a part of a couple of those. I was pretty well behaved, though. And and I recognize, it's not fair, that within our province, one city, five times, Another city, well, Jay is once. Move on. <laughs> and I am, I am, I am disappointed that Pastor Joel is not here to hear this, because he's another Flames fan. What? Okay. <laughs> on a season like they've had, that's fair to reminisce, for sure. <laughs> Oh, we're taking this. This is going south real fast. Some of you are going, another sports illustration? Really? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll try to do better. Uh, how, do we, how do we wrap this up again? Oh, yeah, city celebrations. Culturally, in that time and place, there was celebration. They, they laid their outer coats down on the road. In front of Jesus as, as an expression of honor. They, they waved palm branches as an expression of worship and honor. Many of them likely wanted what Jesus had to give miracles, healings, and as I mentioned already, his, his leadership against the Roman government I'm not sure the full, the, you know, the, the, the full surrender of their lives. Uh, to, to him was necessarily on their radar, although it, it should have been, obviously. What, what they didn't know was that the movement he was leading was, much, was a much bigger re- revolution than something a, a, of a socio-political nature, right? There, there was a more important rescue that was needed, and, and that was a spiritual and eternal rescue. See, there's a, there's a bigger crisis even than a, a biological virus. Even though you may not have picked up on that these last days. There is. It, it's the incurable virus of sin that separates us from God eternally. It's big. Ah, incurable outside of the cross. And unless our sin is dealt with God's way, we live in a spiritual state of death. And death just simply means uh, separation, biblically. And so if we continue in this spiritual state of deadness, as the New Testament refers to it, and then we actually die physically, that state of spiritual deadness, separation from God our Creator, continues for eternity. And that breaks God's heart because He wants you with Him and not separated from Him. And the cross of Jesus, where He stepped in to take upon Himself the, the just penalty for sin, which is death, on Himself so it wouldn't be on me, When I accept that gift, I go free to live eternally with Him. And so how we respond to Jesus, to what Jesus did on the cross, is crucial and and eternity-shaping. And so let's talk now about Jesus' response. And we've got to keep her moving here, so I'll try to speed up. How did he respond to that kind of welcome? Well, he headed straight to the temple and cleansed it. Mark 11, 15 to 17 talks about that. And uh, for time's sake, I'll I'll let you read that on your own. But wow, welcome to Jesus, or welcome to Jerusalem, Jesus. What did he do? He went and he cleaned up the temple. And and here's what was going on. He overturned tables, the money changers, get out, my father's house is a place of prayer. And you read that in, in the gospels. But but here's what's going on. Many people, again, as we said, are coming to Jerusalem for this Passover celebration. And, and many of them have traveled great distances, and so they couldn't bring the animals for the religious sacrifices with them that were needed in their Jewish tradition. And so there, there, was, there was opportunity for some people to take advantage of this religious fervor of, of the travelers. Not only were there, you know, not only were these vendors and sales. People taking advantage of those coming to celebrate the Passover, uh, likely charging ridiculous (laughs) inflated prices, but they were doing it in the outer court, a place that was designated as a place of of worship and and prayer, but was now a place to make the most money possible by ripping off those suckers, you know, wow. Wow. It cheapened worship itself. And so Jesus took action to clean it up. And Jesus is even more interested, actually, in cleaning up our lives if we'll allow him. The temple was Jesus saying, if you you want to wave your palm branch in worship to me, then understand that that actually means, for, for that to be genuine, it requires that you lay down your whole life. As an act of worship in surrender to God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Right? So, what's left ex- except to consider how, how I will respond. How, how you will respond to Jesus. And, and we all must ask this question. Jesus was saying, if you want to celebrate me, then, then know that it's not about religion. Because religion is a heavy burden to bear. As Maureen spoke so well last Sunday, about the do, do, the pressure, the do versus done thing, right? Do, religion, this is spelled D-O, do, do, do more. Relationship with Jesus, which is New Testament Christianity, is spelled D-O-N-E, everything that needed to be done was done by Christ on the cross so that I could live free in relationship with Him. But Jesus was saying, if you want to celebrate me, then, then know that it's, it's not religion or ritual, but rather it's about a radical, genuine relationship with the living God. In other words, the big idea of Palm Sunday is that honoring Jesus means it means full commitment of our life to Him. The, the one, as I often say, who, who, who knows us best and, and still loves us most. Amazing. And so today, the, the most important question is, will you respond to this Easter message? Will you respond to Jesus by surrendering your life to Him? And again, there, there were those who worshipped as Jesus entered Jerusalem, but, but then they were, uh, it's quite likely, a part of the crowd later in the week that was yelling, crucify Him! Because their worship was not rooted in surrender to God. And thus they were, they were easily swayed by, by the whimsical crowd. And there's always been people like that. I've been swayed. Who, who of us probably haven't to some degree at some time? By the whimsical crowd or by the influence of someone who has not prioritized God as the most important person in their life, right? For some of you, that's, that's maybe where you are right now. Maybe, maybe you made a commitment in the past to Christ and you did the follow-through thing, it just hasn't been there for, for whatever reason. You, you want to, but it's, it, it's not, it hasn't been there. My friends, don't, don't, let, don't let your past determine or, or define your future. God can help you with the, with the reboot that might be needed. So what's the posture? The question today is, what's the posture and expression of your life going to be? Will will your life display the, the, the genuine Hosanna of Palm Sunday? The genuine worship that is surrender, full surrender to Jesus? What's keeping you from that? Or will your life display the crucify him of Good Friday, as in your rejection of His rightful place as the forgiver and leader of your life. What will it be? You may not think of it this way, but choosing to not surrender to Jesus as the leader of your life, as the Lord and Savior of your life, is essentially a crucify him posture of living. And that may be jarring to you, but it's true. Surrender to or rejection of Jesus Christ. Those are the only two options. And a decision to not surrender is in fact a rejection of Jesus. Think about it. Please, God longs for you. God's heart longs for you to come to him, to surrender to him. A longing in God's heart for that, that we can't define or even or comprehend, actually. But I believe it to the core of my being, that God's heart longs for you to know Him, to surrender to him, to follow him, to walk with this, in this tough life with him, and to, to walk, step into whenever that is, into eternity, with him, in His eternal family in heaven. All because of what Jesus was willing to do. For God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him. Shall not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world. To condemn the world. But to save the world through him. If you you haven't. Would you place your trust in Christ today? That's not my, it is my invitation but my encouragement, but, it, but it's, it's God the Father's invitation to you. And he was willing to see his son go to the cross so that could be the possibility and the reality in your life and mine. If you want to step across that line of faith and say, God, please, I surrender. Please be. Please be. The forgi- forgive my sin. My sin keeps me from knowing you, from walking with you. Forgive me. doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect. That doesn't mean life's going to all of a sudden be easy. No. But you'll be with me. I want you to be the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life. I surrender now. If you want to do that, I want you to pray. And Christians, please be praying right now for people that might be making that decision. It's the biggest decision and the most exciting decision to even comprehend that you could be making. And if you're, whether you're here in person or engaging online, if you want to make that commitment of your life to Christ today, or it's, it's a recommitment because you know you've drifted spiritually away from God over a period of time, And you're just reaffirming your commitment to follow Him. In this moment, you can pray. It's not about the words so much. God knows your heart. But you can pray something like, and and prayer is just just talk to God. He's listening. Just express what's in your heart and mind and, and, and your desire to know Him. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me so much. Thank you that you created me for an eternal purpose, for for many things, but primarily to to walk and live eternally in relationship with you, my creator. And God, I want that. I want you. So I, I turn from my sin. I confess my sin. I turn from it. I want to follow you. Forgive me. Walk with me. God, I allow you, I want you to begin to lead my life as as the all-wise, all-compassionate God. Thank you, Jesus, for stepping in. Going to the cross so that I could receive God's gift of eternal salvation. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that for me. I receive that gift now. In Jesus' name.